You can have all of the skills, assets, and knowledge to be successful, but without confidence, you'll have nothing. The self-ideal is a combination of all the qualities of all the men and women you've admired throughout your life. Which, of course, if you read lots of biographies and autobiographies of men and women who are worthy of reading, as opposed to drunken rock stars and things like that. But when you read about Madame Curie or Thomas Edison or uh, Mother Teresa, when you read stories about men and women who have done wonderful things with their lives, and all of them from humble beginnings, you start to think, ah, oh, I'd like, I, I like to be that way. And when you read about their qualities and how they persisted, you start to absorb through, your, through the skin being like that when the condition requires it. When the situation requires it, yes, I'll be courageous too, and I'll be determined too. And, I will be cheerful as well. So the more you read about people, the more you form a higher and better and clarified ideal. This becomes your internal role model. And there's always this dynamic tension between the person you are and the person you would like to be. A person who thinks that they've all, they're already fine is not a person who's really open to any improvement. And people who think that they're already fine are usually people that are not really that admirable. Because every admi admirable person you'll ever meet thinks that they could be much better than they are. They could do much better. They always feel that I could be much more successful than this or a better person or I could be more compassionate and more patient and more loving. Even though other people think, geez, you're doing very well, they always compare themselves against an ever higher standard, which means that they're always in this state of dynamic tension toward becoming better and better and better. When you admire these people, you have an unconscious tendency to be more like them. And that's why it's important that you think and talk about people that you admire. The great tragedy for many young people today is that they admire divas and rock stars and basketball players and dancers with the idols. Those are the people they admire. And you can tell who they admire by who they, who they watch, who they tweet, who they look at, who they replay, who they discuss, and so on. And that's not really very healthy because these people are not good role models for young people. They're not good role models. I have had my life so profoundly and positively changed by role models, mostly men who kind of took me under their wing when I was growing up and coming from a lousy home. And they became role models to me as even, this, even to this day, decades later, I can remember still wanting to be someone that they would approve. Somerset Mom was once asked why he wrote so prolifically, and he had a beautiful line, which I think applies to life. He said, I write to earn the respect of the people I respect. And what I have found is that that's what we do in life, is we do the things we do to earn the respect of the people we respect, and at least not to lose their respect. And many of us would go through tremendous privations and sacrifices not to lose the respect of someone whose respect we value. And so thinking about whose respect you value is a really important point. Who is really important in my life? Who do I really respect? And then you think, what would I need to do or not do to earn or to keep this person's respect? And you don't even have to know them. They just can, they can be people who are people that are very admirable. There is a difference between your self-image, the way you see yourself now, and your self-esteem, which is how much you like yourself. And here's an interesting discovery. Here is your self-image, and here is your self-ideal. This is the ideal person that you could be, and this is the person that you are today. And there is a dynamic tension between the two. And whenever you do anything in the present that is consistent with the person you would like to be, your self-esteem goes up. You like yourself and respect yourself even more. Whenever you do anything or say anything, you get mad or impatient or short-tempered or something. Whenever you do something in the, in, in the short term that causes you to move away from the person you would really like to be, your self-esteem goes down. So, so successful people are always trying to adjust their behavior so their behavior is more and more like the person they would ideally like to be, the person they admire the most. And 
then each time you do something that's consistent with the best person you could be, you like yourself and respect yourself more. And it becomes a lifestyle to constantly be doing the things uh, that you know that others would admire. The things, the quality, doing the behaviors that the people that you admire the most would engage in. Very small thing, uh, but a very big thing. So your self-esteem is largely determined by the gap between your self-image and your self-ideal. And is it contracting and getting smaller? Then your self-esteem is high. If it's getting wider because you fell off the wagon, you did or said something you know, that you don't, you're not happy about, you know, that's not me, then your self-esteem will go down. So striving to be like your ideal causes your self-esteem and self-confidence to go up. And then when somebody gives you a compliment that, that is consistent with your being a better person, then you really feel happy because you really feel that you're moving toward that great goal. So the stages of changing your self-concept are, number one, the change must be perceived by you as being both desirable and necessary. Remember we said before changing a light bulb, the light bulb has to really want to change. Well, for you to change, you must consider it to be desirable, is something that you want, and necessary. This is something I need to do if I'm really going to realize my potential. And so if your self-concept, uh, you want to have a self-concept of a well, very well-controlled and organized, positive person, you say, this is something that's essential if I'm going to be, achieve maximum influence in my circle, or even become a great salesperson. If your self-concept is you want to be very well-organized, and you need to be well-organized to be successful in a competitive business, then uh, you consider it to be both desirable and necessary. And that's the motive force that drives you. Number two is begin thinking about yourself as you would like to be. Sort of turn it over in your mind. Um, John Asaroff, who you see tomorrow, great guy, he, he, he's done a program which he'll tell you about. It's called, it's called The Inner Game of Financial Success. And um, he got a call from a man named Timothy Galway. And Timothy Galway, 30 years ago, I read the book, wrote a book called uh, Inner Tennis. And he's also written Inner Golf. And what he says, which is completely consistent with what we are learning here, what he said is if you want to be a better tennis player, imagine that you are a world champion tennis player already. Just imagine you're a world champion. As you move, as you swing the racket, you've seen them on television, just act as though, and think, I'm a world champion. And think of how you would act if you're a world champion. And surprise, surprise, your performance actually improves. You actually play better tennis just playing with the idea that you're a world champion. And if, you're a world cha if you want to be a better golfer, then, then play with the idea that I'm already a great golfer. I am a great golfer. And just imagine, this is what you uh, like, just imagine that you're already a great golfer and you actually end up playing better golf. It's called, he calls it the inner, uh, the inner game of tennis, the inner game of, of golf. And it's the same thing with you. When you imagine yourself as already excellent at what you want to do. I told you about my friend who I helped him to envision being absolutely excellent at karate. And instead of being stressed or tension, just think about yourself. You're already a champion. You're one of the best people. All these people have come to see you because you are so damn good at what you do. And he walked on there and he smoked. He got higher grades and won more contests, and he's still doing it, than he ever had before. And he said it was easy. It was easy because your subconscious mind organizes every single motion so it's consistent with this new picture. Uh, begin to visualize and create clear mental pictures. A visualized picture is, is a command to your subconscious mind, and when you visualize yourself performing at your best, your subconscious mind organizes your behaviors and actions on the outside so they're consistent with the picture that you just fed. It's almost like the picture is the command 
or the seed, and your subconscious mind is the garden. And what it does is the subconscious mind grows the behavior that you visualize. All the work on self-image psychology is really exciting. Visualize yourself as positive and confident. Visualize yourself as successful. Visualize yourself as happy. And what happens is you begin to behave on the outside, consistent with that picture, but it's natural. You feel natural with the new behavior. Practice your visualization over and over again, because every time you visualize, as we said, every time you visualize, your subconscious takes it as a new command, like you just did it again. You just performed excellently again, and you just keep replaying the picture. Before every event of importance, you'll find that success, well, I'm probably jumping ahead of myself. Your, your image must be clear, vivid, and exciting. That means the greater clarity your picture of yourself performing or your picture of yourself in the future, the faster it comes into your reality. Vividness is the most important thing of all. That's why if you go and see a house or take pictures of a house and take those pictures and put them where you can see them, uh, read Architectural Digest, which has beautiful homes, or Homes Beautiful, or uh, Sunset Home and Garden, Beautiful Homes and Garden, and read those pictures so you feed your mind with these photographs, almost like, like feeding them into your mental computer, then your mental computer strives to put you into the kind of home that you desire. Quick story. Uh, a couple came to my seminar uh, when I was living in Edmonton, and he, they were, he was from, the family was from Toronto, 3,000 miles east. And he was transferred out to Edmonton, Edmonton was booming. And so his, they put the house on the market, the wife was busy starting to pack things up. He came up for two things. First of all, to meet with the people he was coming in as a senior executive, and also to find a home. So he met with them for two or three days, and then he called a couple of real estate agents in the paper, and uh, he called one, and he said, I'm looking for a house like this. Okay, let me jump back. Uh, they had started using this process because they had been through my seminar in Toronto about three or four years before. And what they did is they went out and they got a scrapbook and they began cutting out pictures of beautiful homes from beautiful magazines and putting them in the scrapbook. This was their dream home. And uh, then after about three years, he got transferred. Well, they put picture after picture after picture. And what they told me was one day they came across a spread in the magazine uh, Better Homes and Gardens. And it was a perfect house. It was beautiful. It was, it was composite of everything, a living room, bathrooms, views, uh, yards, uh, view from the front uh, over the uh, valley. It was uh, lovely landscaping inside, bedrooms upstairs. This was a composite of everything that they wanted in their house. So they cut out this complete composite and put it into their scrapbook. And every weekend, they would take it out, and they would just open it up, and they'd look at it. This kind of feed their mind with this picture. And they'd open it, they'd turn the pages, they'd think about walking in this house and going in this living room and cooking in this kitchen and in this bedroom and a view from the house. They did this one every single week until he got transferred. Well, he, coming back to Edmonton now, he phones a couple of real estate agents. One is of no interest. The other one says, you know, the house that you are describing, and he was describing his house, dream house from Better Homes and Gardens. He said, it's not available right now, but it's going to be listed on Saturday by my company, he said, I can take you out to see it at that time, uh, if you're interested. And he said, sure. So he, his wife arrived on Friday night, and they had dinner, and the next morning, the real estate agent picked them up at the uh, Westin Hotel, downtown Edmonton, and took them out into West Edmonton, which is the best area, drove them up to this home, and it was the home from Better Homes and Gardens. It was exactly the home they had been fantasizing and visualizing for three years. And they walked in, and they said, oh my God, this is the house. 
This is the house. It's the only house they looked at. And the next question, could they afford it? It turned out the price, the terms, the down payment, everything, even including the occupancy date, was perfect. And a couple of months later, they sold their home in Toronto, packed up, moved out, and were living in that house at that time. They said it was unbelievable. It was the home, it was the house from Better Homes and Gardens. It was their dream house, not a composite, but the very house that they had dreamed about owning. So, does it work? Yes, Barbara and I are in the house that we're in today. We wrote down 42 things we wanted in a house, and we moved twice before we moved down to San Diego. We walked into this house, it had 41 of the 42 things. The 42nd thing was a built-in vacuum cleaner system which he didn't have, so we hired a maid. <laughs> does it work? Yes. And what does it take? A piece of paper. If you can't afford a piece of paper, your mother will lend it to you. She wants you out of the house anyway. <laughs> All right. So your image must be clear, and the greater clarity you have, the faster it will come into reality. Affirmations are, are strong, positive statements that you say to yourself and believe. The most powerful words in your world are the words you say to yourself and believe. With affirmations, your future potential is unlimited. In other words, you become what you say to yourself most of the time. If you say it over and over again, you program it deeper and deeper into your subconscious programming until it begins to appear in your reality. Like the gentleman who wrote down 101 goals, every one of those goals appeared in his reality within 12 years, which is an incredible story, but it's not the only time I've heard that. These are based on the three P's. Affirmations are, first of all, they must be personal. You always start an affirmation with the word I. I am, I earn, I achieve, I weigh. Second of all, like I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. Second of all, it must be positive. I am responsible. I am responsible. And third of all, it has to be present tense. I earn X number of dollars per year. I weigh X number of pounds. I drive such and such a BMW. I live in a 3,500 square foot custom made house. One of my graduates did exactly that when, before he changed jobs. He lost his job after the seminar, which he thought was a real bummer. And one of his goals was I live in a brand new 3,500 square foot custom designed home. Within 12 months, he had gone through two jobs, changed his income, increased his income, and he was closing on the house. He came back to my seminar a year later. He was closing on the house. And it was a custom-designed, beautiful home that the builder had decided to sell rather than occupy himself. And so, does it work? Well, you know, never can be sure. But uh, what if it does? What if it does? So affirmations are powerful. Always speak to yourself in positive terms. When you write down your goals, you write them as affirmations. I earn this amount of money. I weigh this number of pounds, I uh, live in such and such a home, I uh, have such and such, an, I acquire or I achieve such and such a net worth, and so on. Verbalization, speaking your affirmation aloud. What we find is if you say something aloud, it has two or three times the impact as if you say it to yourself, which is why you'll notice when football coaches are want to motivate the people, the players before the game, they said, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to kill them. What are we going to kill them? What are we going to kill them? And they, they get themselves pumped because when you say it aloud, you get yourself really more motivated than if you just whisper it to yourself. So standing in front of a mirror and reading your goals or, 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 or speaking out your verbalizations, I like myself. I like myself. I can do it. I can do it. I feel terrific. 
when you say it out loud and you say it to other people. If anybody ever asks me, day or night, how do you feel? I always say I feel terrific. I feel terrific. I feel terrific. And even if I don't, even when I was going through my cancer treatment last year, it was a very interesting experience. When people say, how are you doing? I say, I feel terrific. I feel great. Everything's going great. Terrific. Terrific. That might not have been completely true, but I was telling the truth in advance. <laughs> so verbalization is really important. Uh, you increase the impact of your affirmation by 80% by simply saying it aloud. By simply saying it aloud. Six, assume the role. Act as if you were already the person you wish to be. Walk and talk and act. I tell salespeople, if you really want to be impressive, when you go in to see a client, imagine that you are extremely wealthy. You're worth $100 million. But one of your hobbies is calling on people for a friend of yours who owns a company. So you like to, you like to make sales calls because you just sort of like getting out there and getting among them. And so you walk in as though you're worth $100 million and just could not care less whether this person buys or not. You really like to be able to talk to them and find out what their needs are and help them if you possibly can. But whether they buy or not, you couldn't care less because you're wealthy. You're just doing this you know, for a friend. And when you have this attitude, I'm already wealthy, it takes the desperation out of your voice. Especially if the business is bad and business is slow and you need the sale, you start to get a little bit desperate. There's a little edge in your voice and the customer says, ooh, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Watch out here. Whereas when you're really relaxed and you don't really care if they say yes or no, you do care. I mean, that's clear because you've come, but you're not really upset about it or really concerned they're much more likely to buy from you when you're more relaxed. So assume the role. Just act as if you were already the person. Uh, if you want to be popular, act as if you're already popular. Treat people as if you're already popular. Now, here's what we said before. The feelings will generate the actions just like as the actions generate the feelings. If you assume the role and walk and talk and act as if you're already the person you want to be, the feeling will generate the actions and you'll actually behave that way. And then as you behave that way, it'll generate the feelings. This principle of reversibility is very powerful. It's very powerful. Just act as if you were already successful. You can act your way into feeling by pretending that you have the quality already. We say, fake it until you make it. Because if you just pretend you have the quality within a matter of minutes, you'll start to feel the quality. If you pretend that you're confident, you'll start to feel confident. If you pretend that you're happy, you'll start to feel happy. Uh, Frank Betcher, who wrote one of the most important sales books of the last century, was called How I um, uh, Made My Way from Failure to Success in Sales. And he talks in the first chapter, and that's all you really need. When he was selling, he was struggling, he was just getting by, and his sales manager took him aside and said, you know, Frank, you have great potential, but you're just too lackadaisical. You don't have any enthusiasm is how can you expect to make people enthusiastic about our product if you're not enthusiastic yourself? He said, well, I just don't feel enthusiastic. He said, so what? He said, whether you feel like it or not, act enthusiastic. Just act enthusiastic. And so he went out and his motto became, that was the book, is act enthusiastic, feel enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic, feel enthusiastic. Remember that old book by Frank Betcher? It's one of the old sales train. If you want to feel enthusiastic, act enthusiastic. And that became his metaphor. And he went on to be the top-selling sale, insurance salesperson in the country and made millions of dollars. And it taught, he taught thousands of people this. If you want to be enthusiastic, act enthusiastic. Pretend as if you already were. And within a couple of minutes, it becomes reality. You suddenly feel happy. 
It's, have you ever noticed men are like this more than women? You go to a party and they're all dancing. Yeah, I don't want to dance. Man says, I don't want to dance. I don't want to dance. I'm tired. I've had a long week. I don't want to dance. Oh, come on. Just one dance. What if they play some really good music? Yeah, I don't want to dance. All right. Just one song. All right. So we say one song. Okay. Guy gets up and starts dancing. Three hours later, they can't close the bar because this guy's still dancing and rocking and drinking and everything else. Because all you do is you just get up and you start moving. As a matter of fact, Shalene was saying something about that. The five-minute rule, I think it was, that you were <laughs> just... Act as if you are totally engaged in the activity. Within a few minutes, you just start to feel engaged. Really important. Use the four keys to rapid personality change are what are called the VAVA formula. And this are, these are, first of all, visualize. Visualize and see yourself exactly as you want to be. Remember, the greater clarity you have with regard to this mental picture, the faster it becomes a reality. Second of all, affirm and make the statement clearly. Make the statement so clear that a child could understand. Now, here's an interesting discovery. The subconscious mind is very literal, and it accepts commands literally in the positive present tense, personal tense. Also, the simpler the command, the easier it is for the subconscious mind to work on it. So you wouldn't have a command, like I drive a new car that I get from the dealership after I've been there uh, a few times and uh, I've learned to uh, get a clear picture of it in my mind, and I finally earn the money and I can sell it, I can buy it, or make a down payment. In other words, don't complicate it. Just say, I drive this kind of BMW by June 30th, 2011. It's so simple. They, the rule is that a six-year-old child should be able to know what your goal is, tell you if you achieved it, and also tell another child what your goal is, and the other child would understand as well. Your subconscious mind is like a child. It loves very simple commands. So what I always do is I achieve this goal by this date. I achieve this goal by the state because your subconscious mind needs to have a target date. When do you want it? You don't call up and you say to a restaurant and say, could we come for dinner for two? Or could we come there for dinner? And they say, sure. How many? We don't know. When? We haven't decided. What time? We'll let you know. How could even the dumbest person in a restaurant take a reservation if you're not clear about time, place, date, and number of people? So therefore, make it easy for your subconscious to go to work on a goal. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes when you, when you set a goal very clearly and you say it, you visualize it and affirm it, it materializes within 24 hours. A one-year goal. I've had people, with the exercise that we're going to do tomorrow, which is a one-year exercise, say that most of the goals in the exercise, which were one-year goals, were accomplished within five days. Just literally the phone rang off the hook. People walked up. The mail stuff that would, would, would amaze you. They could not believe how fast they come into reality when you program them in, when you'll learn why tomorrow. Uh, verbalize. Say it aloud. You possibly can. Just say it very clearly. I earn X number of dollars. I drive such and such a car. I live in a beautiful home. Say it aloud. Say it to yourself in the mirror and smile like you really enjoy it. And finally, assume the role. So those are the four. Visualize, affirm, verbalize, and carry yourself as though you already had the goal, as though you were already a big success. And this wraps up today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you felt moved by today's episode, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe for future episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.